Um, I want to welcome you guys, uh, whether you're in-house with us or if you're watching online from different parts of the country in California or our friends in Arizona or in Alaska. Uh, we're so glad and honored that you would spend this time with us. This uh, past few weeks, we've been doing this series, and the series is called Protect This Mess. And I've been explaining that this mess is you, and this mess is me, and this mess is the relationships that we all have between each other. That this mess is this beautiful thing that we call the church. And it's not perfect, and it's full of people who make mistakes and disappoint, but this is our community, and it's a very special thing that God has given each and every one of us. And at the same time, we are all tasked with the responsibility to protect the community that we have, to do all that we can to make sure that this is a loving community, as we talk about in our mission statement, that we exist to connect people to a loving community. And so uh, we've, we've We've been talking about a couple different things. We wanted to understand in the first message the nature of, of family and community in Jesus' eyes. Uh, we also talked about threats to community, things that, that if we allow in, it can really break apart and hurt our community. We talked about judgmentalism, where you basically look at one person, a flaw, a mistake in their past or present, and then they become that whole thing, like that's all they are to you. That's judgmentalism. We talked about gossip and how gossip can, can be so hurtful and tear apart the church and has no place in our community. And then lastly, we talked about uh, relational disappointment, like what happens when you're in a community and it's all great at first, and then turns out like it's not so great because actually the people are not as great as you thought. Uh, they were so friendly before, but after a month or two months, they're a little bit less friendly. Um, you start realizing that people think differently than you and, and they do things that are different than you and how you respond to that. And last week was a really, really important message because it showed us that if we ever want to actually get to the place where we can say, man, this is a loving community, if you actually ever want to experience a loving community, you actually have to push through that stage, that stage where things are frustrating and annoying and people have habits and, and, and things about them that you don't understand and you want to leave, it's in that moment when you break through that that we actually experience honest, deep, meaningful community. But most people, they, 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 they bounce at stage three when they're like, ah, I don't know about this. It was cool at first, but like, it's not that great anymore. Next week, um, as I said, we're concluding this series. We have a standalone message, and I'm really excited because next week our, our very own Ernie Kim is going to be preaching the message, and Ernie's messages are so good, and I love them because they're so different than what I preach. And, like, he thinks about things. Like, if you guys know Ernie, it's like, why do you think like that? How does your brain work? Like, you're an interesting and weird but very cool guy, right? Um, and so he's going to be preaching, and his, his topics and the way he approaches it, man, it's so, so good. So I want to encourage you guys all to tune in and join us for that message next week by Ernie. Um, but today as we conclude this, I said that I think this might be one of the most important messages of the series because what we're talking about today is how we can protect this mess, protect our community by protecting the family, by protecting your family. So with that, let's pray and we'll get into today's message. Father in heaven, God, I ask, Father, for your presence to be here in this place, that it would, it would go through the camera into the place where people are watching from or listening to. Uh, Lord, I ask, God, that you'd be here and that you would um, and do your thing, Father, and do what only you can do. Uh, I pray that we may walk away from this service today knowing that we've met you and that you've spoken to us and challenged us, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. 
now, in, in all honesty, I am supremely underqualified to give parenting and family advice, okay? Let's, let me just put it out there, okay? I'm highly unqualified to do this, right? Because, you know, when it comes to a family, you kind of have to look at the end product, right? You got to look at the end product to know how, like, is this a great family? You got to kind of know how the kids were raised. And my kids are, the jury's still out on my kids. Like, who knows what's going to happen with these guys. I told Miles, he couldn't come today because he's sick. And he told me, like, basically, I thought, do a shout out for me during the sermon. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. But, okay, hi, Sajid, there you are. Okay, um, I don't want him to be mad at me. But, like, my kids are pretty young, five and one, so I'm like early in the game. Like, and so I'm not really qualified to tell you, hey, this is how you should raise your family. This is how you should organize your family. Um, there are a lot of people who are much more qualified and have a much, much more wonderful end product for you to look at, right? To, to find family advice or parenting tips. Like, I don't got anything. Like, I don't know what I'm doing, right? I do my best, but, you know, I'm not the guy. So if you want actual practical, like, parenting, family advice, here's what you do. No offense, you don't look at the parents, okay? You look at the kids. And when you find a kid and you're like, I, that's a great kid. Like, I like that kid. That's the family you go to. The parents could be wonderful and nice and amazing, but you got to look at the kid and be like, I like that kid. I would love for my kids to kind of grow up like that. That's where you got to go. And then you look at the kid and their parent relationships, and you're like, that's the kind of relationship I want with my kids. Like, that's what I want when they're 15, 17, 18, 23, 25. That's what I would love to see between me and my kids. When you find those people... Take them out to dinner, invite them to your home, and just ask them, what do you do? How did you do it? And just bombard them with questions. If you want real practical tips, that's what you got to do. I can't give you those tips today, and that's not what I'm planning to do today. What I'm planning to do today is to give you guys three biblical perspectives on family. The way the Bible and the writers of the Bible, and the, therefore God, looks at family. And I think that if we, if we can capture that and begin to see our own families, whether you're a father or mother or child, brother, sister, uncle, aunt, if you can look at your family from these perspectives, I think it could actually change things in your family. I can't give you the practical you know, tips and advice, but I want to show you how God sees your family and how he views family. So, What's interesting is that in, a, uh, in, in Psalms 120 to 134, these psalms are, are characterized and given the title, the Songs of Ascent. Okay, so Psalm 120 to Psalm 134, they're called the Songs of Ascent. And the reason why they're called that is because the, the Jews are supposed to sing these psalms while they are ascending and on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. So while they're walking, they're supposed to be singing these songs of praise. And so um, uh, there are three primary pilgrimages that Jews are, are, are called to do. And those three pilgrimages are during these times, Passover, Shavuot, and Sukkot. These are the three things. I realized I spelled the second one wrong. I'm sorry about that. Passover, Shavuot, and Sukkot. These are, represent three historical events that happened for the Jews that were huge for them. And they celebrate these in their memory through their tradition by having these pilgrimages. And then you're supposed to sing. 
Let me tell you really quickly what these things are. Passover is when God delivered them from Egypt, from out of slavery, and then parting of the Red Sea, you know, the whole, like, of, of Moses and all that big stuff. That's what they're celebrating in Passover. In Shavuot, they're, taught, they're celebrating when God gave them the Torah. So when they went to Mount Sinai and God said, here's the Ten Commandments, here's the law, that was a huge deal that really organized them and gave them an understanding of God and to develop how they were to develop their nation and their people. And then Sukkot is a, is a commemoration of God's faithfulness during the wilderness where they lived in the deserts and they lived in huts. And so they had, so during this time, they live in huts and then they remember all the things God has done for them. They celebrate the harvest and all these wonderful things. So Passover, Shavuot, Sukkot are amazing, amazing, wonderful events in Israelite history. And they celebrate them and they're, they're, they're examples of God's amazing faithfulness and provision, right? It's like huge things that God had done to take care of them. What's interesting is right in the middle of these are two psalms specifically about family. Right, in the midst of all these, these, these wonderful celebrations, these upbeat songs of God taking care of us, you have two right in the middle, 127 and 128, that are solely about family. Isn't that interesting? It's interesting that God would put family in the middle of a section where they're praising God for his faithfulness and his goodness in their lives. So let me read to you, these are really short, Psalm 127, let me read to you the first one, three to five. It says, children are a heritage from the Lord. Another word for heritage is gift. Children are a heritage or gift from the Lord. Offspring are a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. So in the midst of these praises to God for his goodness and, and faithfulness, he's like, children are a gift to you. They are a reward to you. He, the way God looks upon your children is this way. Very positive, wonderful. They are a gift. And then he's not even talking about in this psalm about like how emotionally nice it is to have kids. Right? For those of you guys who do, you know what it's like, right? It's not, he's not saying they are a gift because they're so cute and they're so chubby and you just want to hold them and then on their bellies. and like you know, it's, that's, that's not why he's talking about this. He's actually talking practically why this is such a gift. That allusion to when you go to the city gates and your bow, your quiver is full of them, the city gates were like the place where business was done. And if you had lots of kids in your older age, that meant that you have a lots of advocates for your cause. That when you go to the city gates, if people were trying to take advantage of you, no one could because you have kids to look out for you and take care of you. Right? So it's a very practical blessing. A practical gift is the way God sees family in Psalm 127, 3 to 5. Now in Psalm 128, the psalm right afterwards, it takes a different spin on children and family and wives as well. He says this in 128 verses 3 and 4. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots or little olive trees around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. Once again, it looks at family a certain way. The, the, the vine or the grapevine it's referring to here and the olive shoots, what's interesting is that when God told the Israelites, hey, I'm going to send you to the promised land. It's a wonderful place. He gave them seven descriptions. There are seven things that are in this new land which makes it amazing. Two of those things, two of the seven were grapevines and olive shoots. 
He says, when you go to, it's what's, what makes the promised land amazing are the grapevines and the olive shoots along with these other things. And he's saying, the man who fears the Lord, your family, your wife will be like the fruitful grapevine. Your children will be like the olive trees. It's going to be what makes life amazing. Right? This is the way he looks upon, he looks upon family. They're around your table, and this is the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. At the same time, the, the grapevine and the olive, olive tree, if you look at the words of Jesus, are always a symbol of God's abundant blessing. So when we look at these different verses, it's really important that we understand the biblical point of view here, when God looks at family, is that family, number one, is a gift. Family is a gift. Now, I know some of you are like, you don't know my family. Some of you are like, you don't know my family. And I know sometimes family does not feel like a gift. But let's take a moment to really think, look deep down in our hearts. Family is a gift. Family is a gift. Your, your children are a gift. Your parents are a gift. Your brothers and sisters, yeah, I know, I know. Even your brothers and sisters, they are a gift. And I know sometimes you guys fight, and I know sometimes you guys disagree, and I know sometimes you don't see the eye, and I know sometimes things happen and it's not fair, and you, you, you don't like what's happening, and you're very angry at each other, and you argue, and you fight, I get that. But the way God sees family is that family is a gift. Family is a gift. Men, your wife is a gift. No amens, huh, from the ladies in the crowd today? <laughs> Women. Oh, you're like, no, don't even say it, man. Don't even say it. Women, your husband is a gift. Nothing? <laughs> children, your parents are a gift. Parents, your children are a gift. You know, and I know that in the sin sick world that not every family is a gift. Like, I understand that. And I understand that there are some families who have hurt each other in ways that are unthinkable. And there are, are families that have done things to each other that, that have, have really hurt them and wounded them for life. I get that. But I want you to understand if that's the family you grew up in, that's the experience you had with your, your father or your mother or your brothers and sisters or, or uncles and aunts, um, first of all, I'm so sorry that that happened to you, but I also want you to understand that that's not what God wanted for you. That's sin in this world taking its toll on a family. But the way God created family, what he created with family, it was meant to be a gift. So, you know, I, I know that not everyone here is sitting with their family. I know you maybe you're sitting with other people, but I want you to turn to the people on your left and right. They may be your biological family, or they may not be your biological family, maybe they're your church family, whatever, but I want you to look at the people around you and just tell them, and if you're watching at home, I know it's weird, but look at the people around you and tell them, hey, you're a gift. Can we look at each other and say, you're a gift? Yeah. 
You're a gift. And if you are here and you don't have family, you're not sitting with family, I give you permission to pull out your phone, send a text right now to your mom, to your dad, say, you're a gift. And make sure you put a smiley emoji there because then it won't be less, it'll be less awkward, right? So just throw that in there. I give you permission. Send a message to someone in your family. Say, hey, you're a gift. I just realized and I remember the fact that you are a gift to me and you are a gift in my life. That's what I want you to understand. What would happen if we begin to look at our family as a gift rather than a curse? I don't know. Whatever, you would, the way, whatever way you would see your family, what if we began to look at our family and be like, man, he or she, they're a gift to me. Family is a gift. You know, as I mentioned, some families are not, though. Some parents do horrible things, some children do horrible things, and terrible things happen to families all, all around. And like I said, that's not what God wants for his people. That's not what God wanted for you, if that happened to you. But that really takes me to the second point of this message. The second biblical perspective on family is family, family is a stewardship. Family is a stewardship. If we think about the verses we read in Psalm 127 and 128, he says, your children are like arrows. Well, arrows have to be built. Arrows have to be maintained. Feathers need to be taken care of. The wood needs to be taken care of. The, 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 arrow, the, the point of the arrow needs to be sharpened or it won't be effective. Grapevines and olive trees and olive shoots and branches, they need to be cultivated and developed. Right, stewardship is this idea that you have something and you will allow someone else to take care of that something. Right, if you've ever babysat or had a babysitter, that's a form of stewardship. This is my child, but I'm allowing you to take care of my child for this certain period of time. Right, that's stewardship. Stewardship is this idea that someone gives you something to manage and take care of. And when we look at the scriptures and we look at God's perspective on family, as he says, hey, they're your grapevine and they're your olive tree, it means you also must take care of them. That it is your responsibility. They're not just a gift for you to enjoy. They are a gift for you to take care of. They are a gift for you to develop. They are a gift for you to build up. They are a gift for you to cultivate. Family is a stewardship. And this was a common practice in the first century. Jesus talked about this often. He had many, many parables where it talked about someone who owned land and that owner would leave and put someone else in charge of his land. And in all those parables, it ended with one simple question. The question was, what did you do with what I gave you? So when we say and understand that family is a stewardship, what we're saying is that God has given me my family, my parents, my kids, my brothers and sisters, my uncles and aunts, my cousins, as a gift, yes, but they're also a responsibility. And that I have a part to play in developing, cultivating, growing, and building them up. And in one way or another, in any time God gives something to someone to manage as a stewardship, it will always end with one question. What did you do with what I gave you? So I want you to take a moment to think about your family. What are you doing with the family God gave you? Are you a good steward? Or in Jesus' words, are you an evil steward? 
Now, I know this is much easier for a parent to say about their children, right? Like, that's obvious. If you're a parent, obviously I have to take care of my kids. Obviously, I have to develop them. Obviously, I have to grow them. I have to feed them. But kids, have you ever thought that you have a role in developing your parents? Or have you ever realized, have you ever realized what I realized much later in life? That sometimes, here's a dirty secret about parenting. Sometimes parents have no idea what they're doing, okay? Sometimes parents don't have any idea. Some of them do. Some of them know the right thing to do all the time. Some of them don't. There are times where your parents, kids, need to be built up. There are times where your parents are confused and they're not sure what they did was the right thing. And I know sometimes they seem confident and they seem like they know what they're doing, but there are times kids where your parents need encouragement, where you need to look at your mom and dad and say, you're doing a great job, mom, dad, I'm so grateful for you. You're really teaching me how to be a good man or a good person. Right? Sometimes your parents need encouragement. Kids, sometimes, you know what you could do? Just ask your parents one day, hey, how are you doing? They will freak out. They'll be like, what is happening right now? Ask your parents, how, how are you really doing? Right? There are times where, where we as children of parents need to encourage and build up parents what about siblings what about siblings right you have a role in developing and growing and building up your brothers and sisters and I know that's hard because we don't like to do that right the natural tendency is what we don't like to build up our siblings what do we like to do we like to tear down each other right we like to tear down each other we like to call them out we like to fight and we like to say things about them and call them out on stuff that's what we like but we all have a role family as the way the way god sees it is a stewardship and he's going to ask you hey i gave you this sister what did you do with her i gave you this brother what did you do with her were you a good steward or were you an evil steward so family is a gift Right, which is something you probably already knew, right? Like that's, I, I'm hoping that at least I'm just reminding you of something that you already knew. Family is a gift. Yeah, absolutely. And you probably already knew family is a stewardship. You know that family is something that you got to take care of and you got to build up like all that. Now I want to talk about one thing, my last point about family, which I think is a biblical point, but it may be something that you've never really thought about. Uh, I ended last week's message by saying church is a family. And I said, it's okay, right? It may be awkward and uncomfortable and it's weird and, and you may have weird conversations and you might not feel so, so, so great about things, but it's okay because we're family. That's what I said last week. Right? We get this idea from the Apostle Paul. He said this in Ephesians chapter two. He says, so now you Gentiles, non-Jews, are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy peoples, uh, for example, the Jews, in other words, the Jews, you are members of God's family. So, so we understand, and you've heard this saying and this concept before, that church is a family, right? You guys have heard this before. But I want to ask you a question. I think it would be helpful is what if we looked at it the other way around? Yes, church is a family, but is there any way that in some ways family could be like a church? 
If church equals family, then family should also equal church in some way, shape, or form. And and I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna put it out there. This analogy is not perfect, right? The parallels are imperfect. And there's not a lot, there's there's a lot of things that don't really work. Like, I'm not asking you guys to have a board meeting at your home, right, to get all, everyone together and say, guys, we're planning a vacation. We're gonna go to either this place or this place. Uh, Who, can I get a second? I'd like to make a motion, right? You're not gonna do that in your home. But are there some ways we can think about the family as a church that could be beneficial as we think about the function and relationships with our family? So here's my question. Uh, Sorry, we're talking about family as a church. So here's my question. Are there things about the church that you would hope for and expect that you should also hope for and expect in your family that you don't? Let me explain this one more time. Let me, or let me repeat it one more time. Are there things about the church that you would hope for and expect that you should also hope for and expect in your family, but you don't? You guys with me? Are there things when we think about the church and we say, yeah, the church should be this certain way. If the church is family and in some way family is church, then shouldn't those particular characteristics be present in your family as well? And my last church... There was a, a young family with a young child, with a little girl. Uh, they would come to church every week. And before they would come to church, they would tell their daughter, honey, we're going to church, we're going to see Jesus. We're going to go to church and we're going to see Jesus. And maybe you guys have said this kind of thing to your kids, or maybe you were told this when you were a kid. We're going to church, we're going to go to church, and we're going to see Jesus. They tell their daughter this every single week. One day they were with their daughter at church and they are hanging out. I walked by and she looked at me and pointed and said, Jesus. Now I know like that's weird. They told me this story and I felt instantly uncomfortable when she told me this. But it's true, right? You would expect that when you go to church, you would meet Jesus there, right? You would expect if you go to church, you would find Jesus in a church community. My question is, do you hope for and expect that in your home as well? If you expect to find Jesus in your church and church's family and family's church, then shouldn't you also expect to find Jesus in your family as well? Should, do, you, do you hope for and expect to find a spirit of self-sacrificing love and generosity and kindness in your family in the same way that you would expect it in a church? Right? Do, do, we, do, we, do we look for that in our church community? And do we look for that within our family as well? Right? We, we, we would hope for and expect a spirit of encouragement and support in the church. Right? Like if you came to church and you had problems and issues, you would not expect people to ignore you. You would not expect people to not care. You would expect people, if you told them, to encourage you and support you and surround you and pray for you. So you hope for and expect that in a church, Right? Do we hope for and expect that in our families? When people in our own families come and saying they have issues or problems, how does your family respond? Do you respond like a church where you would hope would respond? Or do you respond with discouragement or, or lack of understanding? You know, are there things in our families and our churches that we would hope for and expect but not really in our homes? Right, we, we, would, we would hope for and expect a spirit of acceptance and forgiveness and non-judgment in the church. Right? We talked about a couple weeks ago, the church shouldn't be judgmental and we shouldn't assume these things about each other. There should be acceptance in our community. You expect that and hope for that in our church here. But what about at home? 
Do you have that same spirit of acceptance and forgiveness? Or is it about production? Is it all about doing better in school? Is, it, is there a lack of grace in your home even though you would expect grace and mercy in the church? You see what I'm getting at, right? This is a challenging way to think about family, right? There are things, let's be really, really honest here. There are things in our homes and in our families, if you saw that in a church, you would never go there. There are things happening in our homes and families that we think are normal and maybe people don't understand, but if you saw that in a church, you wouldn't step foot there or you would visit and be like, I'm not going back there. But there are things that we allow in our homes that we would never allow in the church. But so I think it's challenging and, and uncomfortable but very important that we look at family as a church as well. And so as we talk about these three aspects of the way God sees family, I'm hoping you're challenged. I'm hoping you're thinking about what kind of spirit do we have in our home. Yeah, I would want a church that is a loving community, but is my family a loving community? Is there gossip and judgmentalism and abandonment in my own family? Is there relational disappointment and a lack of understanding? Is there a lack of, of moving forward and pushing through to get to a place where we could have a deep, meaningful relationships within our family? Because we want that in the church. But what about at home? Right, this is a really, really challenging way to think about your community. It's a challenging way to think about your family. Here's what I think. I just feel like if we were to able to see our families as gifts, as a stewardship where we're supposed to take care of, cultivate, develop, but we're also hold our families to a higher standard, not in terms of production or performance, but a higher standard in terms of love and Jesus Christ-likeness in our families, I feel like we'd be a lot healthier at home. Right, we expect this in a church. You know, this is a crazy statement that the Apostle Paul said to Timothy as he was talking about his, the, the, the church in Ephesus. He says, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. You see, there are some people, and I've heard these stories before, of people who are nicer to people at church than they are to their own family. I know people, and I've heard stories where, where they saw that in their parents, and they saw that in their grandparents. They said, they're so nice to the kids at church, but when they come home, they're so mean to me. They give gifts to kids at church, but they don't give me anything. We have to wonder. We have to hold ourselves, our families, to this standard. Listen, if you are nicer to the people in church than you are at home, you need to check yourself right now. And I'm not saying that, okay, all right, that I'm just gonna be mean to people at church. That's not the answer. The answer is not, okay, well, I'm just gonna be mean and not care about people at church. No, no, no. You love them and you care about the church community as you're doing. Awesome, right? But you need to raise up the love in your own home. You need to raise up the provision and care and support and encouragement and, and, and being emotionally present at home just as much as you are in the community of God at church on Sabbath with people in front of people. All right, this is what we need to have a healthy family. And then by having healthy families, I believe it's going to lead to a healthier church. That's why I'm saying we can protect this mess that we call the church community by protecting our families 
as well. So again, sorry, I don't have tips for you, or I don't have best practices. I don't have like the top five things you need to do this week to make your family better. I don't have that. What I do have are three principles, three perspectives from the word of God that says your family, the people around you, the people that you fought with maybe this morning on the way to church, they are a gift to you from God. And he's given you this gift for you to take care of and develop, you know, from from the vertical relationship from children to parents, but also the horizontal relationship from from sibling to, to sibling. And he's also asking you, family in some ways, yeah, is like a church. Maybe not always, but it's like a church. And the things you hope for and expect in a church community, you need to hope for and expect those things in your own home as well. Now, as we conclude this series, you know, it just made me, I had to think a lot about my experience at this church. So I've been here for close to six years now. Uh, 2016 May is when my family moved here. Four months after we moved here, my first son was born. And, you know, as I was reflecting on the last six years, not from a pastoral perspective, not like being the pastor of this church, but just being here and having my kids here, man, this community is so important to me, guys. Like, it's so, so special to me. I am so thankful that God brought us here to to raise my children uh, and to, 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 to raise my family in this community, to, to, have, to have my children with the friends of the other children in this church and, and to have my children to look up to people in this church, like, uh, it, it's so, such a blessing to me. Like, I see this community as a gift. Yeah, it's messy, but it's a gift to me. And I know that for many of you, you feel the exact same way. You feel the exact same way. There are some of you who look at your experience in this beautiful mess that we call Rock Fellowship, and you're like, man, if I didn't have that church, everything would be different. And there are some of you who are newer to this, and you like don't know what I'm talking about, but I want you to understand, like, this is a special place, and this is a special community. And for those of you guys who are watching, when you think about your own church community, I bet you feel the same way as well. This community is worth protecting. This community is so special. Your community is so special that it's worth every single one of us making that decision to protect it from judgmentalism or gossip or, or relational disappointment. And, and your families especially are so important. It's worth protecting. So as we conclude this series, I, I just simply want to put that ask. Like, will you join me? Will you help me? to grow our community, to develop our community, to cultivate our community, and to protect this beautiful mess that we call the church. That's my simple ask of you. And I just want you to also to take a look at your own families. Take a look at your home. And you ask yourselves these questions. Do I really see my wife as a gift? Do I really see my husband as a gift? Do I see my kids? Do I see my parents as a gift? And what if I did? What would happen? What would happen if I took responsibility for encouraging and growing and developing my family? And what if the best parts of church would also be at home in our families? What if? It would be, amazing. It would be an amazing family to be a part of. And it would lead us and help us to be an amazing community here to be part of as well. So my ask for you is help me. Help me. Let's do this together. Protect this mess that we call the church. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you, God, for this task. 
I know that, that a lot of us, we just come to church, you know, expecting something, expecting to experience something, expecting to, to receive. But Father, you've challenged us over this last few weeks that you want to give, yes, and you want to grow and you want to fill our lives with blessings and, and truth and, and conviction. But at the same time, you've called us to all work together to create a loving community in this place, whether here or in Arizona or in Alaska or California, whatever community that we are part of. I pray, God, that we may be courageous enough and willing enough to step up to the task. But God, right now, I want to pray for families. I want to pray for families, God, that you would bless them with your spirit in the same way that you bless the church with your spirit. Be present in families here. Be present in moms and dads and kids and cousins and uncles and aunts. Be present in those families, God. And let them experience all the blessings that you want to give through family. Lord, let us walk away being assured and convicted that, yeah, absolutely, my family is a gift. No matter how much we fight, they are a gift to me. Thank you, God, so much for speaking to us today. Thank you for, so much for speaking to us these past few weeks. I'm excited to see how you're going to move our hearts, that we may become that loving community that you want us to be. In your name we pray. Amen.